Thanks for joining us this morning as we express our thanks to God for all that He has done for us. If you haven't heard, um, we have a special gift for you uh, this morning. Um, Maybe you noticed in your seats there's a little card there. Uh, We have uh, flashbulb memories on site this morning in room two. And they will be here until about a quarter to one this afternoon. So if you would like after this service is over, feel free to go in there and get some some photos of your family and friends and be able to take some of those four by sixes home to remember this day if you would like to do so. And whether this is your first time here at Grace or your first time in a while, my hope is that Grace will be for you a place to belong, a place for you to make meaningful friendships, but also a place for you to believe, for you to experience for yourself the unconditional love of God. Today I'd like to tell you a story, a story of a resurrection, two stories of resurrection actually, one that was and one that wasn't meant to be. In September of 2013, in the town of Hamilton, in Ontario, Canada, a few miles from Niagara Falls, there was a local sheriff who went to a woman's home. He was there to evict her and her family because they weren't able to pay their mortgage. She was living there with five kids, and also seven other adult friends were in the home, as well as her husband, Peter, who had actually died six months before. Now, they knew this day was coming. They knew they hadn't been able to pay the mortgage. And so they had already packed several things, including the husband's clothes and his shoes. And the sheriff didn't really find that to be all that odd until he caught a whiff of Peter. The wife broke the seal of the bedroom door and opened that door. And the sheriff saw this man's decomposing body sitting on the bed. Now, you might ask... Why, right? <laughs> why in the world would this woman do this? Why would she, why would she keep her husband, husband's dead body in their bedroom like that? Well, the sheriff asked that question. And her response, very matter-of-factly, was, well, because we've been praying that our hus- my husband would be resurrected, of course. You see, Peter had died from natural causes, but the family thought if they prayed and they were sincere enough that they would be able to bring Peter back to life. It's a sad story, but it's a story of a woman who refused to give up and accept it as God's will, even after six months. But I thought, you know, as I read this story, I thought, you know what, it would really be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice to have that kind of power. I mean, how many of you have lost a loved one and you just wish you could pray that prayer and it would work, right? Where you could bring them back from the dead. But as we lose those loved ones that are the closest to us and the minutes slip into hours and the hours slip into days, we come to accept the finality and the awfulness of death. Death takes us all, whether we like it or not. The story, the story of Peter's family is a surprising one. But honestly, there's a way more surprising story of a resurrection that I want to tell you also this morning. And this guy that I want to share with you, he wasn't one that was prayed for after he died that he would be resurrected from the dead. Even though he had told people many times that he would be. People thought his idea was crazy only until he did it. His name was Jesus. And this event of the resurrection, it is so well known that my guess is you're probably familiar with it. Even today, it's a, day, it's a holiday where we celebrate and we commemorate what Christ has done for us. People have been telling this story for centuries. 
And it has changed, it has transformed billions of people all over this world. And because of that, I think this is a story worth retelling today to see what we can learn from it. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. It's kind of like in the middle of the Bible, Matthew 28. If you don't have a Bible with you, you might find a Bible in the seat back in front of you. Feel free to, to use that. You can even take it home with you. It's our gift to you this morning. Feel free. You'll also uh, notice you probably have a Bible in your pocket. I would encourage you, if you have your smartphone, to just go to gracetucson.org Bible on your web browser, and you can follow along with the message this morning. With, there's some sermon notes there, some articles and other supplementary materials that you can look at at your own leisure. Next Sunday, by the way, while we're, you're turning there, let me just share with you this. Next Sunday, we're going to be uh, kind of launching a brand new series of messages called Crossing the Line. And it's about setting healthy boundaries in relationships. There's a flyer in your program today if you want to learn more about that. But oftentimes, we say that someone is crossing the line when their behavior is out of line, right? When they're saying or doing something that is considered harmful. The truth is, all of us, every one of us here today are guilty of crossing the line with God. God actually drew the line with us at holiness, at perfection. So we're all guilty. And that was actually why Jesus came. It was out of God's love for us that Jesus came in the first place. Jesus crossed from death into life so that each one of us today could follow him from death into life. Let's see how Jesus crossed the line and how that changes everything for us. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you were looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You, you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Wow. What a shock this must have been for those ladies that, for that first Easter morning. You know, there's another Bible account of this story that says that they had gotten up just before daylight to go tend to Jesus' body. And back then... Back then, the, the Jewish people had this elaborate set of rituals that they did, they, they performed for preparing a body for burial. And it started with applying several pounds of spices over a body like that over the first few days after death. 
And even months later, they would go back to that body and they would take up the bones and they would put them in an ossuary box and carefully inscribe the person's name on it and put the body away before saying their final goodbyes. So these women, they were on their way to the tomb with these spices. And while they're walking to the tomb, one of them kind of realizes, you know what, how are we going to even get in there to be able to, do, to put these spices on the body? Because there's this humongous stone over this cave where Jesus is being kept. How are we going to even get in there? But their question was quickly answered as they arrived and they saw this angel show up right in front of them and single-handedly remove this humongous stone from away from the tomb and then go and sit on it. The guards that were there that morning who had been stationed there to make sure no one messed with Jesus' body, they just, these guards just took off. They were running to town and they actually told some officials, you're not going to believe what we just saw. And these officials said, you know what? This is a story we don't want to get out. And they bribed these guards and said, let's just say that someone stole the body. (laughs) But you know what? A story like that, you don't stamp those kinds of stories out, right? Especially when, when the one who was resurrected, Jesus, starts showing up on multiple occasions all over the place to hundreds of people at the time telling them that he has risen from the dead. Now, that's a pretty incredible story, isn't it? And it's why we gather here, not only on Easter morning, but every Sunday morning, to remind ourselves of who we love and who we serve. It's a, this is a story, this resurrection story, that has changed so many lives, including maybe even your life. The Bible explains that God came to earth in human form out of love for humanity to lead them back to himself. He crossed the line from heaven to earth, so to speak, so that our sins didn't have to make our separation from God permanent. But what do we do with this story? I mean, it's an incredible story. Granted, I get that. But what do we do with this resurrection story? I mean, other than saying, wow, that's pretty incredible. Well, this morning, there are three things that I want to share with you from this story that that Pastor Chris just read. Three things that this angel, as if you were reading it along with me, that they, this angel said to these women that morning. Three things that I think also Jesus would say to you and me in our, for about our lives today. Let's look back at this story and, and check those out. The, the first choice that this angel asked these women to make was right there at the beginning. And it was that the angel said to choose to not live in fear. You know, whenever things happen in our lives that we don't expect or understand, the natural response is to tend to have fear, isn't it? It isn't a godly response. It's particularly not a response that God wants us to have to him. But it's a response that everyone there had, men and women, when they saw what had happened. And the first thing that the angel tells them to do that morning, the first choice that he asks them to make It's to choose to not be afraid. Guys, we have no reason to fear when things happen that we can't understand because we can trust that there is a God who does understand. Amen? We can have no reason to fear when things seem out of control because nothing ever really escapes God's grasp. We have no reason to fear death even because Jesus conquered death on the cross. Yes, the cross is brutal, The cross is gruesome, but it is God's expression of love 
to you and to me. There's a very famous verse in the Bible. You've perhaps seen it at football games. It goes like this. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whoever, anyone who chooses to believe in him wouldn't perish, wouldn't die, wouldn't be gone forever when they took their last breath, but that they would have life that was everlasting. And then it continues and it says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, to make us feel bad about ourselves so that we beat up on ourselves and think, oh, how awful we are, but so that we would be saved from it. You know, when you get right down to it, we have no reason to fear because God's perfect love When we accept it, when we take hold of it, it casts out fear. You know, 1 John chapter 4, I I love this. This is what it says. It says, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Then it says, God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love, notice, perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced this perfect love. We love each other, it says, because Jesus loved us first. You know, recently here at Grace, I did a message on fear. And we discovered that what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least in our lives. Right? So let me ask you this morning, what is it? that you are most afraid of trusting to God? What is it that you, if you were to be honest with yourself this morning, that you would say, that's the thing that I just have a really hard time letting go of, letting go of fear and just truly trusting God with. Maybe it's something in your life. Maybe it's someone. For some of you, it may be just entrusting God with your life and finally deciding to truly follow Jesus. I mean, some of, many of us in this world, we know about Jesus. We know a lot about him, but we don't put our trust in him. Maybe for you, that's that final piece that you need in your life this morning. You know, fear is natural until we realize, until we remember that God's perfect love given to us in Jesus can cast out, can obliterate every single fear. But you know what else the angel told them that day that they could choose to do? In addition to choosing not to be afraid. The angel said that they should choose to investigate. Come and see, the angel said. Don't just stand there hanging out with your fears and your doubts. See for yourself. Come look in the tomb. See for yourself that Jesus isn't here anymore. That he has gone from death to life. That Jesus has conquered death. Which is something that Peter in Canada, by the way, nor you or I have ever been able or nor ever will be able to emulate. God calls each one of us in this life to investigate this story. 
to check into his plan for saving us from a situation that we've all created for ourselves as we have cut ourselves off from God with our sins. Now, God could have said to you and I in that moment when we reached out to him for the first time, for those of you who have, you know, God could say to each one of us this morning, you know what, you've blown it already. I'm sorry. But that one time when you did that, that was totally, that was t- too far. You've, you've crossed the line. You don't have a chance anymore with me. But instead, God shows us that there is nothing that he won't do to restore a relationship with us if we choose to put our trust in him. God has gone so above and beyond in our lives out of love for us to reach us if we choose to follow him in this life. Now, here at Grace Community, we also invite you to come and see. Every Sunday morning, Here at Grace, at 9 and at 1045, a few hundred people gather to experience God for themselves. To see what it will look like to take one step closer to Jesus for that week. Because the God who gave everything for us asks us in Scripture to not neglect, to not put off regularly gathering together as a community like this. To grow and to worship Him. We'd love to have you back next week. Come and see what God can do in and through your life as you choose to put your trust in Him and put Him first. But there's one last thing that I want to point out to you this morning before we're done that the angel points out to these women when they are so shocked by what they had seen. Look at Matthew 28, back in verse 6. It says, actually verse 5, I'll start there. It says, then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I, I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said it would happen. Come and see where the body was lying. And then it notice, it says, and now go and quickly tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So, The angel tells them to go, to not stick around, but to go and to go quickly to tell others this story, this this Easter story, this story of Jesus being alive and why that matters. And this story that I'm sharing with you this morning, this is not a story that we can keep to ourselves. Now, Peter of Canada's resurrection story, or lack thereof, it's interesting It's odd, but it's not really a story we need to retell, right? But this story, this one, is far different. It's a story that has to be retold. It's important to tell because no one should live without experiencing this perfect love in their lives, right? It's also important to tell because no one should live in fear. And this story is a story about Jesus conquering fear and death. In fact, look at the end of this story. In the end of Matthew 28, in the closing words of this chapter, Jesus is saying that because of what he did for us, he wants us to go and tell so others can be followers of Jesus, maybe just as you have. You know, we can be afraid about telling others this story. We can even choose to fear investigating Jesus for ourselves and how he can change our lives. When Jesus came, he could have just given us a reason to fear him. 
He could have chosen to condemn us rather than humbly coming to live among us and to be one of us. He could have chosen to come down to earth and show us his power, his holiness, and just squash us. He could have told us that we don't have hope anymore because we've already crossed the line. But he didn't. He chose another way. And I'd like to explain why with one last story. Take a look at this. I heard a story once about a soldier who had served in Vietnam. There was a group of prisoners who were taken hostage and put in a prison camp where they were not just physically tortured, but they were mentally tortured. And so there would be various false raids where they feel like they were being set free, but it would turn out that it was only their oppressors who were trying to destroy their hope. So one day a group of uh, U.S. Marines were tagged with the operation to rescue these prisoners of war. And so they broke in and they, they found the prisoners on the floor and they were beaten, they were psychologically tormented. But they had a problem. Even though they were there to save them, the prisoners wouldn't trust the liberating force. And so one soldier in a moment of genius and compassion realized what he had to do. So he took off his military uniform and stripped himself down like those prisoners were, laid on the floor in the fetal position and just looked them in the eye so that they could see that he was actually one of them. And after they saw that he was one of them and that he had come to rescue them, they were able to trust him and they got dressed and he was able to lead them to safety. And in many ways, this is why I think we can trust Jesus. Jesus claims to be God but he stripped away all of his power. He stripped away all of the things that may cause us to fear him. And he came down as a human being to look us in the eye when we feel like we can't trust anybody. To say, I know you. I see you. I know what you're going through. Trust me. I can lead you out to the life that you long for. We're desperate to be known. We're desperate to be loved. We're desperate to matter. We're desperate um, to, to live a life of meaning. But who do we trust? And when I heard that, I felt like even in my own heart, I can trust Jesus to lead me to the path of life. You know, that really says it. This morning, you can choose to leave here today and you can say to yourself, you know, those resurrection stories Dave told this morning, they were pretty interesting. And you can choose to do nothing with either one of them. You can avoid thinking about Jesus and his resurrection and what that means in your life. And you can even wall up your heart and not let God in. But I want to ask you this morning to not do that. Please, please do not do that in your life any longer. Take a step toward God and trust him. What would it look like for you this morning to cross a line of your own, a line that says, God, I'm going to choose to trust you more than I trust myself from now on. Thank you, God, for loving me and giving me that choice in the first place. God, I, I love you. I, I trust you. I'm yours. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make that decision. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never made any sort of commitment to your creator, to your God. That's fine. I'm, we're glad you're here this morning. So glad you're here and you're joining us today. There were several people in the first service and they found themselves in that very spot. They're like, they had never made a commitment of any sort to Jesus, but this morning, several people did. 
in the 9 a.m. service. And I want to give you that opportunity as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you said yes to God a long, long time ago. Maybe when you were younger. But there's a lot now in your life between then and now. And you would say, you know what? That was a commitment I made long ago, but I'm kind of, that's kind of in my rearview mirror today. What would it look like for you to, to re-up that commitment? To kind of to push the reset button on your life and you say, you know what, God? I, I, I know I made that commitment before and I've kind of botched it. But God, I'm ready to make it again if you're willing. God would say to you this morning, I would love nothing better than that. So I want to encourage you to just pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart, if you would. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be here today among this community of people. Lord, I I sense here that this is just a a vibrant community, a, a community that's alive, a community of people who love each other and are constantly pushing forward to take a step closer to you. And God, I, I feel like I, now is my turn to do that, to make a step in my own faith journey. God, I thank you for bringing me here today. I thank you for giving me a chance to hear this, this word. And God, I ask this morning that you would come into my heart, that you would forgive me of all of my sins. Lord, all of those things in my past that have disappointed you, that have brought you pain, God, it wasn't my intention. That's not even what I wanted. But God, I I thank you that the Bible says that you will forgive me of each and everything I have ever done like that. God, I ask that you would come into my life and fill me with your spirit as I confess that you, Jesus, are my Savior and Lord. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I could live and that I could have a relationship with you. That it wouldn't be any longer this thing of feeling judged or feeling put down or feeling condemned, but of feeling liberated, set free. God, that's what I want. So God, I ask that you would not only fill me with your spirit, but that you would come into my life and to begin to change me in the months and years ahead. Make me into the man or woman of God that you've called me to be all along. God, may this rest of this journey that I have on this earth be a thrilling one. Be an exciting one as I trust you each and every day in what you have in store for me rather than what I used to have in store for me. This morning, as we're here, as everyone's heads bowed and eyes are closed, I just sense that God is working here in several people's hearts. And I would love to give you an opportunity, if you've never done so, to just confess to me that you're saying yes to Jesus. I'm not going to call you out or point to you or anything, but I want to give you an opportunity. If you've said yes this morning, I'm just going to open my eyes and I'm going to look around the room. And if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've committed your life to him, or maybe you've recommitted your life to him, just simply shoot your hand up and wave at me for a second. I'd love to know who you are. Lord, it's so neat to see how you're working. Thank you for giving us the chance to connect to you and experience you this morning here in this place. God, we ask that you would just continue to look deep into our hearts and see the expression of love and gratitude that we offer to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.